Hey, I'm Grace Nichols, the Kinship Minister for Soul Force, and you're listening to our new podcast, Go With Grace, responding to white Christian supremacy with resistance and resilience. Soul Force works to end the religious and political oppression of LGBTQI people by decloaking the ideologies of Christian supremacy and healing our community's spirits from weaponized religion. We build radical analysis, political education, and spiritual power for activists across all social justice movements wherever the work is threatened by white supremacy and Christian fundamentalism. We believe that our movements will only win if we can eradicate the ideological system that moralizes and justifies wide-scale violence and injustice, also known as white Christian supremacy. Therefore, our goal is to seed all our movements with a working knowledge of white Christian supremacy, how it functions, and the tools to combat it. We're going to get into it, y'all, and we're going to go with grace. Hey, Grace Nichols here, the Kinship Minister for Soul Force, and you're listening to the very first episode of the Go With Grace podcast. I am not an actual minister, but I do love talking with folks and I love connecting with people so I get to do a lot of our relationship development for Soul Force and while I'm not an actual minister however folks when I think about that I do feel a strong spiritual calling to be outspoken about the conditions of our world and what can be done about them. You'll learn a lot more about me along the way as I continue to learn more about myself I'm sure But to begin with, I am adopted from the Philippines. I identify as queer and genderqueer, trans, and disabled. I use they, them pronouns. I am also a cultural worker, writer, actor, performance artist of many kinds. I am located on the ancestral lands of the Eno and Okanichi people, also known as Durham, North Carolina. I am so excited to get into this with y'all, and I am confessionally very nervous. This feels like a big deal to be announcing ourselves in this way. Uh, We've been through so much this past year, and yet our conviction uh, in this work of naming and dismantling white Christian supremacy feels stronger and more pertinent than ever so it's very very exciting and yet when you think about the systems we're challenging and the violence that they have made so casual and frequent in our world it's also pretty terrifying (laughs) many many people have died at the hands of white christian supremacy many many people live in fear of their lives and of their livelihood being compromised every single day that is a reality we are not shy about however i think personally and organizationally we are very interested and invested in challenging the systems of oppression in order to create a different experience for people at the margins black brown indigenous queer trans disabled and working class folks 
all the people who are disproportionately impacted by oppression. We all deserve to live full, whole, complex lives. And so that feels like a lot. It feels like a huge undertaking. Uh, Yeah, and I'm kind of nervous, but I definitely believe in taking risks um, on ourselves and on each other. So while Soul Force might make spiritual resilience look sexy, that doesn't mean it's easy. But yet, here we are, in the face of such violence and oppression, uh, we orient towards joy and possibility, and I am honored to be a host and guide of sorts in the untangling of the web white Christian supremacy has spun around our spirits, bodies, and world. In today's episode, uh, I'll be working through some preliminary concepts of white Christian supremacy. I'll be unpacking why we chose to launch this podcast on July 4th specifically, and then we'll get to hear a little bit from our co-executive director, Reverend Alba Onofrio. So, first things first. Christian supremacy isn't Christianity. That was co-executive director Jas Mendez Nunez in a video created in 2017 explaining Christian supremacy and why we do what we do. This is a baseline concept to get clear about. I think many people, particularly in the context of our work, conflate the target of Christian supremacy with Christianity. I have this whole idea about soul force threatening and attacking Christianity as a whole. And that is not true. And the distinction is important because there are many folks on staff who identify as Christian. We work with a lot of other progressive faith Christian leaders who are interested in creating a faith practice that is not harmful, that is actually anti-oppression and is seeking to heal the injustices that exist in our world. Here are a few more sound bites from that video. The full video will be linked in the show notes, and I highly recommend you check it out. You'll hear a variety of voices, including our former executive director, Haven Heron, our other current co-executive director, Reverend Alba Onofrio, our former operations and development staff member, Renee Musquiz, and DJ Hudson, our nonviolence and direct action consultant. Here they are unpacking the question, what is Christian supremacy? It's weaponized religion that targets LGBTQI people, people of color, women, and other marginalized folks. It steals the social and political structures, the institutions, funding, social capital, and language of Christianity, and turns it into a connective tissue between these different forms of violence. And spiritual violence is physical violence. Because we carry that pain, both at a cellular level, because of our own lived experience, and through the collective memory of our ancestral trauma. 
Those same messages and beliefs are used to justify murder and genocide against our peoples around the world every day. Christian supremacy is what happens when systems of domination like white supremacy, like capitalism, like colonization, form a parasitic relationship with Christianity. What happens when authority mobilizes so-called morality to deny our sacred worth. Whew, okay, that is a lot. Obviously, there is a lot more to discuss, but that is the point of this podcast. We hope to unpack all of that in depth through conversation with lots of other folks we work with and care about in the world. We are also here to tell you that you are sacred and you are worthy, and even in the face of immense adversity, those things can never be taken away from you. So we're going to get into it, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. I am just kidding. We absolutely do not have any sponsors. This is the very first episode of a very experimental podcast, and it is literally just me putting all of this together. So Instead, I'm going to dive into why we chose to launch this podcast on July 4th, Independence Day. Uh, A day of nationalism, a day of honoring that which many believe uh, they belong to, a country they feel proud of, a country many believe has given them their livelihood, which is true. I think for a lot of people... Uh, That is a true aspect or one part of many people's stories. The reality of the situation is that the United States has also caused a lot of harm. It is an undeniable imperial force built on the genocide of indigenous people and the enslavement of people stolen from the African continent. And today is a day that many people do not celebrate. Many people are mourning. And as stated in Frederick Douglass's speech, What to the Slave is the 4th of July, there is, quote, unquote, an immeasurable distance between the people who feel joyous on the 4th and the people who are impacted by this country's hypocrisy. Mab Segrist, the author of Memoirs of a Race Trader and good friend of mine, talks about how in the past white folks would go to a lynching on Saturday and church on Sunday. There are these traditions that get baked into our culture and because they are so ingrained in our culture, they are often difficult to name. Through naming white Christian supremacy for what it is, we regain the power to heal those wounds and dismantle the system. Releasing the podcast on this date in particular is an encouragement to look more deeply at traditions, practices, beliefs we take at face value as quote-unquote good or honorable. Just like Soul Force's Queer Vacation Bible School is hashtag not your mama's vacation Bible school, the grace and go with grace is far from the sweet tea type of grace served during the fellowship after the service. This grace, (laughs) 
this grace, this grace, sorry, <clears throat> all the graces, this grace in particular is sharp and rigorous and challenging. This grace wants you to question everything, especially any type of power structure that demands unconditional allegiance without critical thought or personal consent. This grace also has immense capacity to hold many things at once. There are many people who have been saved by America and have found life and abundance and safety where they didn't before. This doesn't erase the multitude of grievances this country has committed against black, brown, indigenous, queer, trans, disabled, working class people every day. Not to mention many of the people seeking safety or asylum in the United States are fleeing countries that have been economically devastated by the United States or are war-torn uh, by the extraction, exploitation, and funding of the U.S. government. I will also state that my personal questioning of nationalism includes the treatment of service members. I am a longtime anti-war advocate and I firmly believe that the United States government does not care about its service members and often preys upon impoverished black and brown communities in recruiting for its armed forces. And I grew up on military bases and I have lots of family and friends who have served or are serving in the military. And whenever I am expressing anti-war, anti-military views, they are also included in my analysis because I see the harm that is caused on people's spirits and bodies when they are sent into war. And I will always be anti-war because I believe that there are other options uh, for us in the world. And the United States is a land and money and power hungry nation that will dispose of anyone, including the people it recruits to serve the country with highest honors or making ultimate sacrifices or whatever. And there is definitely a lot we could unpack around the concept of sacrifice, but that is an entirely different podcast episode. For now, I'm going to try to reconnect us to the role of Christian supremacy in nationalism. I'm sure there are many historians who will argue that the United States was not founded as a Christian nation and therefore Christian supremacy is not at the core of its creation. However, the exploitation of Christianity in service of nationalism is one of the most harmful, insidious, gaslighting projects in existence today. As stated in our video of what is Christian supremacy, it states Christianity has been co-opted to form a parasitic relationship with systems of domination. One of the most glaring examples of this baked-in hypocrisy is the insistent notion of separation of church and state when In God We Trust is printed on all of the United States currency. And we know they're not talking about Buddha. 
I mean, a historian can double check me, but I'm pretty sure that they are definitively talking about a Christian god. And in my research, I discovered that there was a letter written in 1861 from a Reverend M.R. Watkinson in Pennsylvania to the Secretary of the Treasury, Salmon P. Chase, at the time encouraging the inclusion of the words perpetual union on all of our currency, as well as the words God, liberty, law. The author goes on to say, this would make a beautiful coin to which no possible citizen could object. This would relieve us from the ignominy of heathenism. This would place us openly under the divine protection we have personally claimed. It's actually pronounced ignominy, I think, and it means public shame or disgrace. So they're trying to intentionally distance themselves from this uh, perception of heathenism. So on November 20th, later that year of 1861, Secretary Chase instructed James Pollock, director of the Mint in Philadelphia, to prepare a motto. And in this letter said, Dear Sir, no nation can be strong except in the strength of God or safe except in his defense. The trust of our people in God should be declared on our national coins. So this is reconstruction time and people are searching for answers and guidance and comfort and clearly faith and spirituality can play that important role but with this intention to distance and distinguish the United States from a perception of heathenism that really signifies to me that racism that's what it connects to honestly I think any time that heathen was used during that time was connected to black and brown people or anyone else that uh, the white men in power perceived as a threat. I think that included women, disabled folks, and uh, people uh, perceived to have other religious and faith practices uh, they wanted to ensure were not going to thrive at that time. So again, faith and spirituality are so important but if your faith practice asserts that indigenous people or indigenous spiritual practices are demonic or uncivilized and that melanated bodies from the continent of africa are as equally demonic and uncivilized and more specifically animalistic and therefore lesser than and therefore best treated as animals for labor and exploitation if those are the foundations of your faith, then what? Do you still feel comfort and guidance in creating a better world? Does justified genocide feel fine to you? I would assume that, I would like to assume that for the majority of people, the answer is no. And that they would like to figure out a way to have a faith practice and a country that is not harmful. 
a society that is interested in healing and reconciling a harmful past instead of spinning in a perpetual cycle of trauma and harm. I will also name that for others, namely people in higher power positions, that they that there are those in the world who are actually really comfortable with genocide and the elimination of everything they perceive as a threat to their white supremacist existence. I think this is like a difficult dynamic we find ourselves in when combating white Christian supremacy. I think there are those who genuinely want to change, um, as exemplified by faith leaders who have been on the front lines of social justice movements throughout time. This group of people, us included, want a way out of these cycles and systems of oppression and have been doing that work for a very long time. And then there are those who literally and intentionally want to oppress. Uh, They have no interest in embracing an expansive human existence and they perceive only one way of life as right mainly traditional nuclear upstanding citizens and families, which is always code for white, upper, middle-class, heterosexual, cisgender situations. And they will fight vigorously to defend these beliefs, and they won't perceive anything they do as harmful because they feel righteous and morally justified to protect the way of life they perceive as right and best for humanity. Uh, Just a few days ago, Robert P. Jones wrote an opinion piece for the Washington Post entitled, Let's Celebrate This Fourth of July Without the Myth of White Christian Innocence. I will link the article in the show notes and also highly recommend folks check that out. In the article, Robert P. Jones addresses the doctrine of discovery. Uh, which was issued by Pope Alexander VI in May of 1493 with the express purpose of validating Spain's ownership of quote-unquote undiscovered lands in the Americas following the voyages of Christopher Columbus the year prior. Jones writes that history may seem irrelevant to us today, but in giving Europeans a divine right to seize the lands of non-Christian peoples anywhere in the world, it furnished the foundational lie that America was quote-unquote discovered and enshrined the innocence of quote-unquote settlers in the story white Christian Americans told about themselves. If Europeans were superior to all others, enslavement and colonial conquest were merely the means of improving the temporal and eternal lot of indigenous people. So conceived, no actual atrocities could possibly tilt the scales of justice against these immeasurable goods. Right, so as we should all be able to see there is a very long history and legacy of Christianity, of Christian doctrine being wielded to cause immense harm and that that harm is moralized and justified because of a belief in a greater good And I think that's the call today. And 
all days is to interrogate our intentions and our impact when we want to participate in a faith practice or in a belief of a country, something that we say in soul force often is nobody is trying to take away your Jesus. Honestly, we're trying to heal your Jesus and we're trying to heal your country, particularly if those things are oppressive and damaging. I can't perceive how we can continue in these cycles of harm when there are other options available to us if we just take the time to have a look for them. So I think that's all I have for today on why we launched specifically on July 4th. Um, if you are mourning today, we are with you and we see you and we are working hard to change the conditions of our world so that we will have less to mourn in the future and i hope that people can find a good pool party or barbecue to go to and be with people that we care about i want to close with um a quick conversation i got to have with our co-executive director reverend alba onofrio All right. Well, I would love to know who you are and what is your role at Soulforce. I am Alba Onofrio, also known as Reverend Sex. And who am I? Oh my goodness. Femme, queer, activist, clergy, Christian, evangelical, Southern, a zillion things, a zillion things, but my role at Soulforce is co-executive director and also spiritual strategist. The title I wish that I could keep, but for a hierarchy, they make us have titles like executive director. Really, I'm the spiritual strategist. I care about the theology. I care about the religion, the stuff that gets into our people's souls that come from evil and just heteropatriarchy and all that. Wonderful. We are <laughs> so blessed to have you as our co-ED and spiritual strategist. I, I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what led you to this work and why you believe in it. Mm. Well, um, there's a fire in my belly, as we might say. I grew up Southern Baptist in Appalachia with my great-grandmother, um, who was the youngest of eight in a coal mining family. And um, in a Southern Baptist, there's a lot of God that gets put in us very young. And and for me, there was an on-fireness that um, was channeled into evangelical fundamentalist Christianity for a long time. And when I came out and realized that uh, I was not straight, I felt really clear about a couple of things. And one of them was that this amazing feeling of being in love with another girl at 15 uh, was not 
the hell and the devil that I've been told it was. In fact, it was like one of the most amazing aliveness feelings of like joy that I had ever felt. And so um, that's kind of where this, this particular strain of work came from. And then after almost a decade in immigrants' rights and LGBT rights, I just was so fucking pissed. Am I allowed to curse? Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just so damn mad that every time I talked to our queer and trans folks who were suffering some sort of internalized shame or fear, uh, or hurt that the response, regardless of the response that I could give as somebody who grew up with the Bible, as someone who knew all of the kind of standard bullshit, biblical and Christian responses and like how to talk back to those in some way, shape or form, even if it was just like, I don't believe that, or like, that isn't my experience of God, almost always was responded to with a very like, well, show me your papers or show me your receipts kind of attitude that was like, I want to believe what you're saying. But this was said by my Thea, or this was said by my pastor, or this was said by the Pope or whatever (laughs) the things were that made me feel like um, my opinion as a person of faith or my opinion as somebody who knew some things about the Bible didn't count the same way as if I had the paperwork to show like here is my denomination here is my credentials whatever and so that kind of just led me to go back to school and be like all right what we need is some paperwork I'm down and so like nothing sounds funner than spending it took me about four years to like investigate why the hell they use this stuff against us and what is underneath that and how do we fight back and so my beloved queer radical activist community in Durham were like, yeah, that's useful to our movements. Why don't you go do that? And then come back and report back. I'm not sure they'll let you in, but um, maybe so. So I um, got accepted and wound up going to Vanderbilt Divinity School. And that kind of like, this thing is coming for our people and this God is getting co-opted and stolen. And that pisses me the hell off because it's like, we're paying for that with our lives, with our souls was what got me into this. And then Soul Force came and found me and we're like, we're trying to do this thing. Are you in? And I was like, yes, I am definitely in. And people who love me um, were like, it feels like this organization was literally created just for your purpose in life. And I was like, I feel that way too. So <laughs> here I am at Soul Force trying to sabotage Christian supremacy and help our people heal from the bullshit, the lies, the evil, the devil, if you will, of the white Christian supremacy that gets into our families and our communities and our souls in whatever way I can. And right now that means being co-ED, but in all the ways. Mm -hmm. Yes, Rev, you went and got that paper. (laughs) um, What I've heard you talk about a lot is how the oppression side, the um, people who interpret the Bible in particular in harmful ways, they wield their interpretations all the time They have no qualms about um, the harmful repercussions of their interpretations. So what we could genuinely use are more liberatory and healing interpretations. So thank you for that. Right, because they're there. It's not like, right. <laughs> that's the other thing is like, there's some brilliant people that have been working on this for a long time. I don't say anything brand new. I don't come up with shit on my own. I literally just like read and hear what other people have been working on for decades now, literally decades and sometimes millennia. 
And that just doesn't have as much um, play or as much amplification as fundamentalisms do. And so it's like, we got to talk about this stuff because there are more than enough, more than enough to get us free or to at least deconstruct some of that stuff that, that like just sits in our guts and our soul as though it were the word of God when it really isn't. Right. And I think another strong, really strong tenet of Soul Force Broadly is making that content accessible. Yeah. Who has time to read a 50,000 page book that costs $250,000 in some library somewhere? <laughs> it's like, make it plain, make it clear and make it accessible. And I feel like that's some of the bridge work that we're called to and so forth is just like bringing that shit down to the ground where really smart things get to be actually useful to real people in real time on the ground in fights for our lives and our liberation. Beautiful. I'll have one more question. Um, and excited to hear your response is what do you think is possible when we sabotage Christian supremacy? Oh my God, what is not possible? <laughs> What I think is the biggest deal is like, in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, the question comes up of like, what would it mean to have a people, a collection of people, regardless of our spiritual orientations, our religious affiliations, our identities, what would it mean to have people with indomitable spirits? What would it mean to be so fucking clear about who we are, what we're about, what we believe, where we're going and where we come from, that no amount of propaganda, no amount of like throwing the Bible at us, no amount of all this bullshit that comes can penetrate our flesh or penetrate our souls so that even when our bodies are under attack, our spirits are forcefully clear, like resoundingly strong and able to resonate with each other in a way that is impenetrable. Because I think way before uh they get to our bodies they get to our souls and once our souls are dominated once we have that colonized mindset and heart and spirit because that shit is in so deep we sabotage ourselves we harm ourselves we limit ourselves we hurt each other and so my like what is possible when we sabotage white class christian supremacy particularly from within is that we become a powerful people in ways that goes far beyond what our bodies have capacity for. And when we amplify that times five, times 10, times a thousand, times 10,000, times 10 million, that is an unstoppable force that does not depend on how much gun power we have or how much um, money. It's about like a spiritual power and force that resists domination to such an extent that all of that like powers and principalities what they have access to just does not compare to the power that we have inside. So what is at stake is our liberation. What is possible is our freedom. What is happening is our own freeing of ourselves and our spirits and our connection with whatever it is that is the organizing principle of life in this world. So I think a lot, a lot is possible. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Mm, yeah, yeah, tell me yeah. what is not possible. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the answer. That's the one. Awesome. <laughs> well, that was great. Thanks for answering and my question. I love Thanks. all of y'all as well. Thank you so much love for you. listening to the very first episode of Go With Grace, responding to white Christian supremacy with resistance and resilience. 
you can find out more about us at www.soulforce.org and we are at soulforce.org on all social media platforms may you have a blessed day and may you go with grace <laughs>